0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance Episode 115. And in this episode, we'll discuss the concept of stock buybacks or share repurchases where companies purchase back their own shares with its accumulated cash. I've had a fair bit of request about this topic, so I'll go through some of the basics about it. For those of you that are new to the channel, the aim is to educate. To be educated about personal finances means it can improve your financial literacy. And with that comes the second aim is to be empowered. To be empowered with this knowledge means you can take this knowledge to your credentialed advisor and speak at a level that you can understand it. And the third E or the third aim of this podcast channel is to be entertained. Just a disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a financial planner. Make sure you take any financial decisions you want to make to your appropriate advisors. But if you're stuck on what to do, here are some simple basic steps to get you on the right track when it comes to saving, investing, and personal finance in general. In my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could follow right now. Step one is pay yourself first. Take at least 20% of after-tax income and put it aside. That's your money, never to be touched ever again because you're the most important person in your life. Step two is invest that money, ideally into something that you understand or want to understand. I understand the stock market and index funds, so I just invest in index funds. Step three is when you get dividends, make sure you reinvest them. The power of compounding over the long term is real. Step four is do it for the long term. Now I'm not talking five, 10 or 15 years, I'm talking at least 20, 30, if not 40 plus years. The longer you do it, the more beneficial it is for you. And step five is my favorite. Try and automate every step as much as you possibly can. Automate the investments forever. Now if you follow these simple five steps, you probably end up with more money than you'll ever need in your life. Now remember, money is just a tool. It doesn't bring happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life a little bit better, but most importantly, the lives of people around you a lot better. Before we get on to the main topic of stock buybacks, we have a question from Dr. D.B. Hi, Dev. Thanks for the podcasts. Myself and my partner are both doctors in our late 20s. We've been saving for a number of years and have several hundred thousand dollars sitting in the savings account currently not invested. We are debt-free. We are currently renting and don't own any property as we have several years of training ahead of us and we don't know where it'll take us. We're not keen on any investment properties due to the maintenance aspect of it. We have a separate emergency fund. With our savings plan, we plan to invest $40,000 portions into various ETFs via self-wealth and repeat it every few months. With our income, we're able to easily save 30%, probably totaling $100,000 savings per year. So we're thinking of investing that into the Vanguard personal investor account and when it hits a threshold, then to take that money and buy more ETFs via self-wealth. Our questions are one, should we be investing in 40,000 portions or just putting all of our money in as a lump sum? And number two, is our strategy of funding the Vanguard personal investor account until a certain threshold, then transferring it into an ETF or self-wealth, a good idea? Thanks. Thanks, Dr. DB. There's a lot to unpack in your question, and I want to answer it to highlight some concepts. First of all, I recommend you take this as a comment rather than gospel as I'm not a financial advisor. Number one, several hundred thousand dollars sitting in a savings account not currently working for you is a huge opportunity cost. Your money is losing value every month due to inflation. To learn more about inflation, refer to episode 27 where I break it down into very detailed concepts. So your decision to invest is the right one. Number two you don 't have a home and have no immediate plans to buy one, so investing the money for the long term sounds reasonable. You also don 't like investment properties fair enough i 'm not going to blame you. My Vanguard portfolio has never called me up to fix the garage door or plumbing. I do have investment properties, but it 's probably becoming more and more of a pain to manage and Of course, the estate agent takes four to six percent of the rent in fees, so those fees are much higher than the index fund portfolio so I agree with your strategy of putting your money to work into the stock market or ETFs or index funds over the long term. Step three, or number three, is should you invest lump sum amounts or dollar cost average, which is what you plan to do? Lump sum investing over the long term is going to yield a better result up to 60 to 70% of the time. There is a fair amount of good evidence for this, so you can Google it and research about it, but that's roughly where the evidence sits at. That's not to say that DCA is a bad strategy. In fact, the people that DCA'd last year during the COVID crash made a nice sum of money. Now, the thing is, if you're the sort of person who's going to constantly worry about the market crashing after investing a lump sum amount of money, in your case, several hundred thousand dollars worth of funds, then DCA is the way to go. Remember, finance is largely behavioural. When investing in the stock market, you must be prepared to lose 30 to 50% of it in the short term and then be prepared to buy more when the market does crash. Number four is should you invest 30% of your after tax income into Vanguard personal investor accounts, and then transfer this into a self wealth account to buy ETFs later on? I don't think this is a good idea and you may wanna check with your accountant on this because I'm pretty sure when you sell the funds in the Vanguard personal investor account, you'll have to pay capital gains tax, which is basically a waste of money. My plan is never sell. So I would just be investing the 30% after tax income straight into self wealth and your ETF strategy. Your hybrid model may end up costing you more and I think it's worthwhile checking with your credentialed accountant for more information. I hope this answers your question and good luck with your investing journey and well done on having a marvelous saving savings amount at such a young age. Now to the topic of stock buybacks. What are stock buybacks? Another way of saying this is a share buyback or a share repurchase program. This is when a company buys its own stock, either by a tender process soliciting sales from existing shareholders or via the free market, the latter being the most common. The company buys the stock using surplus cash it may have sitting around. Now, before we discuss how this all works, let's think about what companies can do with their surplus cash. Number one is they can reinvest into the business. They can buy more plant, they can buy more equipment or come up with new arms of the businesses. Number two is they can just pay a dividend to their shareholders with the profits or cash sitting around. Number three is they can just keep it as cash. Apple does this quite a lot. And number four is they can buy its own stock back. So how do companies buy back stock? There are two main ways they can do that. The first way is called a tender offer. The company's shareholders receive a tender offer which stipulates the number of shares the company wants to repurchase and the share price it wants to repurchase it at. Existing shareholders can accept the offer by stating how many shares they wish to sell back to the company and at what price. Once the company receives all the offers from the shareholders, it'll evaluate the offers and choose the lowest price because the company doesn't wanna pay a high price for its own shares. After all, the company is just like you and me. They wanna buy the most shares at the least price possible. The second way that the companies can buy back stock is by marketplace. That is, the company can buy the shares at the current market price. This is the most common way a stock buyback program works. Let's use an example to highlight this point. Company ABC has 1 million outstanding shares and the current market price is a dollar per share. It wants to buy back half a million shares at a cost of half a million dollars. And these shares get absorbed back into the company and are no longer in circulation. This means the outstanding shares has now gone from one million to only half a million. Now this is a critical point, and I'll come back to this later in the episode. So why would a company buy back its own shares? Well, one, unused cash is opportunity cost. Number two is it preserves the stock price or even sometimes increases it. Number three is the company believes the stock is undervalued. And number four, sometimes companies have devious attempts to quick fix the financial statements. Let's look at each one of these factors in more detail. So, unused cash is an opportunity cost. What does that mean? Just like Dr DB before has huge sums of money sitting in the savings account, companies may have the same situation and want to make use of that capital for the benefit of the company and its shareholders. To not make use of the money means opportunity cost, and this can be very expensive in the long run for the company. Also shareholders want returns on their investors, which means the company has all of this money which it isn't using which means it's giving up equity for no reason. To reduce this burden, the company may choose to buy its own stock. This is called reducing the cost of capital. The second reason, preserve its stock price. How does that work? Why stock buy packs rather than just pay dividends? You see, in the event of a recession, if the company has a history of paying for dividends and all of a sudden cut its dividend, the shareholders start getting upset and fleeing the company. This will, in fact, reduce its share price. And why is this a problem? Remember, the executives of a company, their sole aim is to provide return to their shareholders in the form of a capital appreciation, i.e. higher share price. Now, if they can't do that, then shareholders get upset. So instead of paying dividends historically, some companies may choose to buy their shares back. So even in the spate of a recession, they can simply cut back the share buyback program. This, in effect, is cutting dividends, but it's less obvious. This means the company's stock price wouldn't plummet as much as it would have if the company commits to higher dividends and then can't meet its target dividend payout rate. The third reason is the company believes the stock is undervalued. Now, just like you and me, the company is an entity, so its management is hunting for bargains. I'm hunting for bargains, and so is all the other people in the stock market. So they may think their stock price is undervalued, they being the company executives and the company itself. Why might it be undervalued? Well, it could be because the company is having an unfair attack by media and short sellers, or their short-term performance is having an unfair downpricing of their share price, or there's long-term ignorance. So companies can buy the shares at a lower price as they believe the stock is undervalued. When the market turns, they can issue more shares to essentially sell a piece of the company at a higher price. Let's use an example to highlight this point. Company ABC's share price is $25, and it remains a good profitable company with decent dividends. There is some rumours about the company leadership, and this hits mainstream media, therefore having an impact on the share price. The share price now dips to $15 per share. The thing is, the business hasn't changed, and all of this volatility in the market is based on market rumours, and this happens all the time. Therefore, the company may use some of its excess cash to buy back its stock at an undervalued price of $15. Then they write out the bad news and then the market returns to its highs and the company's share price is back up to $25. The company can reissue the shares it bought at a higher level and therefore boost its cash profits. Essentially, the company bought back some of its equity at an undervalued price and then reissued some of its equity at a market price, which basically the company has made money on. Now, the fourth reason why a company might buy back shares is a quick fix for a financial statement. And we talked about the P-E ratio in episode 77, and in that we talked about earnings per share. The simple definition for a PE ratio is the market price of a share divided by the earnings per share. Let's use an example to highlight this point. Company ABC has one million outstanding shares in circulation. The profit is $10 million. Therefore, a simple calculation for earnings per share is $10 million divided by 1 million outstanding shares, which is $10 per share. That's the earnings per share. So how do stock buybacks fix a company's financial statement, therefore making it more attractive to investors? Because EPS, the earnings per share, can be manipulated. Here's how. Suppose in the previous example where company ABC makes a profit of $10 million but due to stock buybacks, the circulating outstanding shares is now halved to only half a million shares. That is, the company buys back its stock up to 500,000 shares. So we've gone from 1 million outstanding shares to half a million outstanding shares. This means the earnings per share now is $10 million divided by half a million instead of a million, which means it's $20 per share. Notice how it looks like the company has twice as much earnings per share as the previous example. Remember, in the previous example, the earnings per share was $10 per share. In this example, the same company, by buying back its shares, has reduced the circulating outstanding shares by 50%, which means the earnings per share has artificially been increased to $20 per share, so it's doubled. The thing is, people see company stock buybacks as a good sign. Why? Because it's a sign that the company has surplus cash, and sees itself as grown enough and making loads of cash and doesn't really know what to do with the excess money so decides to buy its own stock buybacks. So this is great. This means this also affects the P-E ratio and often shareholders and investors look to the P.E. ratio as a company's fundamentals to make a decision on whether to invest in the company or not. So with the earnings per share now higher, it means the P.E. ratio is lower, and this makes the company look way more attractive for investors. This means technically, the company hasn't done anything special. It hasn't invested anything new. It hasn't increased sales. It hasn't increased its profits but yet its balance sheet and financial statements looks healthier. This is why it's considered market manipulation by some people. In fact, in the US, Senator Elizabeth Warren says exactly this, and Republican Senator Marco Rubio also says exactly the same thing. They say manipulating an important metric is dodgy as anything. So they think stock buybacks shouldn't be allowed. Now, can a company buy back stock using other people's money? That is, can it go into debt and buy its own stock back? And of course, it can, just like you and me. This means the company is taking more risk in order to do this and possibly trying to make their financial books look healthier by doing so. And if done carefully, it can work, but it could also backfire and affect their credit worthiness. Note that any loan interest is tax deductible, so it's very similar to individuals borrowing money to buy shares. In companies, stock buybacks artificially boost stock prices? And the answer is, yes, it can. Essentially, you're tipping the supply-demand ratio in favour of demand. Investors see buybacks in a positive light, so rush to buy the stock as well. More buyers than sellers equals price rise of the stock. And this can be a good thing for investors overall. Why can it be good for investors? Why can stock buybacks be good for investors? Let's use an example to highlight this point. Amy owns company ABC stock, approximately 10 shares out of a pool of 10,000 shares. In effect, Amy owns 0.1% of company ABC. Company ABC buys back 5,000 shares, and this means the outstanding shares has gone from 10,000 to 5,000. Amy still owns her 10 shares. She hasn't sold anything, she hasn't bought anything, And this means Amy's ownership has now doubled. And now she owns 0.2% of the company. Amy did nothing special. The company just bought back 50% of its outstanding shares, making the remaining outstanding shares 5,000 instead of 10,000. So can stock buybacks be good for the economy? The answer is it can be. It's called the wealth effect. In the example previously, Amy's wealth has increased. She went from owning 0.1% of company ABC to 0.2% of the company. Psychologically, Amy may feel wealthier. She has a 0.2% stake in a company, so her wealth has doubled. If this is replicated across the masses, this often equates to people spending more money. We know people spending money on businesses and services makes the economy go round. Then this has a positive spin on the economy This is known as a wealth effect. That is, if I feel wealthy and my wealth increases, I tend to spend more. And we know that spending money moves the economy. So why are some politicians against stock buybacks? And in fact, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission in the US, is also a bit worried about it. In addition to concerns through market manipulation, there are concerns that company insiders and executives, the very people who vote to make stock buybacks happen, can actually profit from them. How? Because stock buybacks may mean stock prices rise for the company. And executives and insiders often hold their own company stock, this is quite normal, and they may choose to sell their stock when the price hike happens, because they know that the company is buying its own stock back. In fact. This is not considered insider trading at all, surprisingly, and is completely legal in most cases. Some politicians would like executives and company insiders banned from selling their positions for a set period of time after the company buyback has occurred. So, can company stock buybacks be good for investors? And the answer is yes. You see, when the company buys its own stock back due to the reduced outstanding shares in circulation, It effectively increases a shareholder's equity in that company. We know the tax system, even in Australia, effectively favours capital gains than dividends. Dividends is often taxed at income tax rates. Capital gains are taxed at capital gains tax rates, which often is discounted. So that's about it for this episode about stock buybacks. There are a number of pros and cons of stock buybacks and it's a common feature in the 21st century. It's important to learn more about stock buybacks and how it may affect you as an investor. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you may be using or just leave a five-star review on all platforms. That's even better. And please leave a positive review. And in that theme, here is a review I found on Apple Podcasts from... Oz NFL Niners watcher, he or she writes, fantastic advice explained clearly. Working through all 100 plus episodes, clear and concise reinforces great principles. Thanks, Oz NFL Niners watcher for your feedback. As it stands, Apple Podcast rating is around 168. I would love it if we reached 200 five-star ratings. So if you haven't rated the podcast, please give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. Just search for DevRaga Personal Finance. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to the podcast, which helps more and more people. So please keep them coming. Remember to like Devraka's Facebook page, shout out to questions and comments or topic suggestions. Share this channel with family and friends on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcasts and all the major podcasting platforms out there. And remember, always pay yourself first. Take that 20% of after-tax income and put it aside. And learn about stock buybacks and it may impact your equity in your company that you wish to invest in. This is Devraka Personal Finance Episode 115 and as always, please make sure you stay safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.